Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. Another edition of Hotspot Hamilton. Uh, we have been focusing on uh, the challenges, uh, the great things that have been happening in this community, but also some of the uh, the impediments to uh, progress that we've been having. And we've covered uh, the gamut here. We've talked about poverty issues, housing issues. We've talked about uh, entrepreneurship and, and the sorts of things that are going on here and, and uh, the renaissance in many ways that's happening with the Hamilton economy. And I want to micro-focus, if we could, uh, in our discussion uh, this segment of Hotspot Hamilton and talk about uh, innovation and talk about new businesses and how we can uh, encourage uh, new businesses and keep and retain the businesses that we've got here. Uh, to that end, uh, we've got a great panel for you that uh, are going to delve right into that issue. Azefa Sayid, of course, is with the Hamilton Chamber of Commerce. Good to have you back with us. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Bill. Uh, uh, also with us is Kevin Brown, of course, from Software Hamilton. We met, I guess, in Lion's Lair years ago, didn't we? Yeah. Of course. 2011, and, and, and you're rich and famous now, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and recently married. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that life goes on here in the big city. Uh, and speaking of, Chad Fullerton from Comotion, uh, the group, uh, of course, one of the co-founders of that organization. And he is also, by the way, just uh, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, the tech genius that puts everything together for us here at the radio station, too. Uh, I, I'm hard-pressed just to remember to turn the microphone button on and off. Chad just above everything else here and builds it, too. So it's great to have you with us here, too. And you're all over the province doing that sort of stuff, too. Thanks, so I'm glad you're in town today to talk about this. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit, if we could, Kevin, about about new businesses uh, and, the, and the way things are changing here in Hamilton. And, and I think we all know the dynamic here. That uh, in past generations, of course, Hamilton was built on manufacturing. Uh, Burlington Street was the, the, the place and the destination, I guess, for the lion's share of people that were working in this city, uh, whether it was at a steel plant or at Procter & Gamble or Firestone or any number of other things. Uh, there's a, do- a new dynamic at place here, and, y- and you're part of that. How does something like that change? How does something like that grow? Well, I think it was kind of a forced change because, I mean, automation and other things happened that kind of changed the economy away from manufacturing towards, you know, what's what's next. And what's next was computer programming, software development, uh, you know, biotech, these kinds of new areas where new products are actively being made. And it was really kind of a a forced switch when manufacturing went away, we had to replace it with something. And these were the opportunities where we had the infrastructure in terms of universities and colleges that are pumping out the graduates that are skilled in these areas. And uh, between them starting up new companies and hiring people to grow their companies and between people from other cities coming in and realizing that the infrastructure is here to make these kind of companies and grow them here, we have a new you know, industry and new industries in town that are taking advantage of that that change. And, and the chamber, obviously, in a situation such as a transition, as, as Kevin's talking about here, as AFA actually has to, they have to move with that too. I mean, you've got to be you've got to be visionary. You can't just sit back and say, "Well, you know, good luck with this to the guys." I mean, it's a change of attitude from from the, the businesses in this community from 40 years ago to what we've got right now, and the chamber reflects that. Uh, I, I think, yeah, like if if you look at the uh, a lot of the advocacy issues we're working on. A lot of the um, projects we're uh, championing, uh, we, we look at the focus. I think uh, a good litmus test of where the community is headed is uh, the uh, Hamilton Economic Summit, which is now called the Barrie Economic Summit. Yep. It's now in its eighth or ninth year. I actually used to go to it as a student, and, and you know, the first few years it was all about manufacturing. However, the keynote speaker at the end of the day, I remember one of them was Richard Florida. He came in with his uh, Bible about, you know, urban urban revitalization, and, 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 you know, a big part of that was attracting uh, 
cultural and creative workers and and, and knowledge workers and, and and tech communities and you know and Hamilton in in a way almost took that uh, playbook that a lot of um, Rust Belt cities, a lot of cities across uh, North America, were not unique in that in that kind of movement uh, and and employed it um, to good measure and and, and I think we're, we're we're finally now in 2017 uh, getting around to seeing some of the returns of that and and, and I think it also gets helped by uh, the software revolution that happened in, in BlackBerry with with it going bankrupt and its alumni making companies in and everything that's been happening in Toronto where a lot of those trends are now migrating uh, where students are starting university now with with um, a side idea that you know it's not just about finding a full-time employment after graduation that used to be the case when I started in school in 2008 was everyone wanted to find a job or, or become a researcher become a doctor um, I, I think when I talk to when the chamber comes down and talks to students right now at McMaster uh, a lot of them are very interested in, in this uh, tech movement uh, so, so I think Hamilton's brand has played a part but also overall economic trends that are happening in the, in the wider uh, KW Greater Toronto, Hamilton area. So, so we, we we've obviously responded to that and and moved away from the traditional, you know, um, in heavy infrastructure, heavy manufacturing, and it, it's still a big plays a big part. But and, and always will. I mean, manufacture yeah. is going to be part of, of our, econ- our economic future, I think. But it's it's called advanced manufacturing yes. right now, isn't it? And to Kevin's point, uh, what what guys like him are doing right now are actually designing the techniques of our advanced manufacturing. So we're still that manufacturing center of excellence, but it's it's a different approach now. Yes, and and, and the, the supercluster uh, bit that um, I, I believe Keenan talked about, my uh, the CEO of the Chamber, uh, a small while back. Uh, so Hamilton uh, is part of the uh, KW uh, Toronto Consortium, Advanced Manufacturing Consortium, uh, and the the only idea that's the basic idea is that you take traditional manufacturing um, and upscale it with uh, technology and and. Uh, Innovations, automation, and, and things like that. So I think we're we're, we're finding Hamilton to be well placed within that because uh, there are a lot of uh, companies out there that are that will be labeled as manufacturers by the average person on the road. However, if you visit Stackpole, if you visit ArcelorMittal, the Fasco, they're using some of the most advanced uh, computing um, that's out yeah, there. Yeah, they're, they're still making auto parts. They're still yes. making steel, but they're doing it uh, in in a much different manner. And they're hiring computer scientists. Yeah, exactly. How do you how do you get people ready and, and community ready for something like that, Chad? When when, when we you know when we were at our, our maybe our worst and you know kind of feeling pretty lousy about ourselves when we saw manufacturing as we knew it, traditional manufacturing jobs started to flitter away. We looked with envy at, at KW, and and that's just around the time the BlackBerry started to rise, yeah. uh, and Jim Balsley and, and, and companies, and we thought, boy, I wish we could do that. Why can't we be at like a Silicon Valley or, or or you know Corral up in Ottawa was doing the exact same thing, and we we were envious. Let's face it, uh, and and I guess there were attempts to make that happen, but it just seemed to organically grow, small and incremental. But at the same time, that doesn't happen unless there are shoots. What, what were the shoots that made it happen here in Hamilton? Well, yeah, the tech industry, especially with Innovation Factory coming in and, uh, you know, co-working spaces and all that sort of infrastructure starting, uh, that really helped to flourish the entrepreneurship uh, freelancing type of industry. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of the freelancers uh, group in Hamilton, and we've seen a huge flux of people that are, you know, moonlighting, which is taking a side job besides a, free, a full-time job. So. Um, you know, a lot of people who have a full-time job now, maybe they're not seeing that their uh, salary is increasing enough. They don't. They need to make more money, so they're keeping their full-time jobs, but they're also taking on uh, a side gig um, and freelancing on the side. So we're seeing a lot of that happening. We've been running that uh, group. We have monthly meetups for the last four years, and a lot of people are uh, joining that now. Um, sort of 
seeing what opportunities are out there that they can do outside of their full-time job. Um, and also for students who are graduating, um, they're looking for that full-time gig and they're not seeing those uh, those full-time jobs here in Hamilton yet. Maybe they're having to leave the city and we don't want to see that, obviously. So um, a lot of those are staying in Hamilton. They want to stay in their hometown. So what do they do? Instead of joining a full-time job, they start their own company. And so they're, they're going the entre- entrepreneurial route um, and using um, Innovation Factory, The Forge, and those other sort of uh, services to facilitate that. How do you get that mindset, though, Kevin? Because you're one of those guys. I mean, that said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to you know." And Software Hamilton is is was one of those great success stories. But but to to change that mindset of okay, I've got my degree in whatever the discipline was. Now I'm going to go knock on the door at IBM or someplace else and see if they'll hire me. Instead, you decided, no, I'm I'm going this way. I'm gonna I'm gonna start up my own business right now. That's uh, that's like jumping into the deep end of the pool after only a couple of swimming lessons for a lot of guys, but you made it work. Well, I think it's a big mindset thing because if you're used to the idea of, you know, I'm going to apply for a job, I'm going to get a job, and then I'm going to work there for 30 years and retire, um, that's, you know, a particular mindset that we've had for a long time. And to, to change that to the point of I'm going to try to start a business, invest in a business, hire employees, that kind of stuff, it really requires being around other people that are doing the same thing. That's why the papers on this actually show that, like the scientific papers mm-hmm. show that this is the case. And it really requires having a community of people that are doing these kinds of things. So that way, when you're not sure what to do, instead of going to a boss like you would if you had a job, if you're not sure what to do, you can go to one of your mentors, you can go to a peer in the community, and you can learn from them because they've seen it before. And they can say, well, you know, I saw this happen. This, this was my business. I, I had to do this. And I had to, you know, maybe I had to hire somebody that was had this special specialty or something like that. Um, so that's where the community really becomes critical. Did, uh, you, did you have those people, somebody that you could lean on? Well, the thing is, uh, in 2011, 2010, when I was kind of just starting to get involved in things in Hamilton, there wasn't really people that I could reach out to. But then a lot of things started up around that time, like Innovation Factory. Mm-hmm. Like we started organizing uh, demo camps in Hamilton to get people, you know, showing off what they made and getting feedback from the community. And when those things started to happen, then I would say yes. Then, then I immediately found some great mentors and some great people in the community that, you know, it's just been life-changing and invaluable to have them in your life, being able to just give them a phone call for five minutes or just have a coffee with them and just tell them what's going on. And then they give you their feedback. And then you feel like you're not lost and you feel like you know what you're doing. You know, it's it's interesting when I hear all three of your perspectives on this, and and all three of you guys started to to have this impact and started to make these moves just around the same time that the innovation park uh, across the road here on Longwood uh, really started to flourish. And I've told the story to our listeners before. I mean, I was on city council back in those days when Peter George and some other visionaries uh, called us all together, and we sat in the conference room across there in this dilapidated old office building at the old Campco factory, and and he talked about innovation, and this is going to attract the brightest minds, and I thought, well, good luck with that. We've tried that before. But it's happened, uh, and, and that really seemed to be, you know, Chad, to your point about about green shoots and starting up like that, that was really, I guess, the, the fertilizer for those green shoots. I mean, it gave the, everybody, to, to Kevin's point, a place to go and say, hey, like-minded people, come on over here. We can help you. We can give you that support. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see that the universities are also starting to pick up on that, right? They, they see that the students are asking for this stuff. They're yeah. asking for entrepreneurship. There's a lot more business students. They're looking on how they can start this up themselves. So that's why they go to Innovation Factory to, to get that sort of mentoring and help. But there's a lot of, as Kevin said, a lot of organic mentors that are around that just want to help people, want to see Hamilton flourish. Um, 
and universities are starting new entrepreneurship programs. Um, they have the Forge and Mohawk has theirs. So they're really sort of tr trying to have this organic hotbed of, um, well, here's here's some mentorship, here's some funding, um, here's some other opportunities that you can get into while still being within the university uh, and education in Hamilton and staying in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 I think, uh, that's that, seamless now, isn't it? Uh, th that's very, very important point. We were actually talking about it outside is that um, I think it's, probably one of the easiest times to start a business as, as a young person, e even I would say as an older person, this is a, a large variety of um, government grants, not just at one level of government, all three levels of government. So in um, for a small business enterprise center offers a summer company program, it could be anything from a, a grass cutting company to uh, people that start social media, web design businesses, and they get $5,000 from the city uh, funded through the province as well uh, to do that. Um, you know, that wasn't really something anyone would talk about when I was at school, which was, you know, uh, it was a long time ago, but well, not too long ago. <laughs> it was, it was just, uh, three years ago, four years ago. Um, and when I, when I graduated in 2013, like the only way you could start a business was if you were involved in very high-end research and you go to industry liaison office, mm -hmm. a scary sounding name. Uh, but now you see the new services called Forge and, and Spectrum and, and, and they're offering, you know, almost monthly um, uh, presentation camps where you, you have an idea, you come in, you find other people and they give you money to do uh, and free food and, and you know it's, it's almost like um, entrepreneurship um, for some people has become an extracurricular activity where you don't really have to go all in because there's grants and, and services available you could experiment with whether you really have it in you and then once you know you figure that out you, you can then migrate to innovation factory or commotion or uh, communities in Hamilton but um, I think having that landing spot on campus has be been really beneficial in the number of very small startups that were uh, seeing prop up all over uh, online, and and what that has done is I say it has blurred those lines there, Kevin, because that that uh, entrance into entrepreneurship and that exposure into entrepreneurship actually starts when you're still in university or college, depending on which uh, uh, institution you're in, because uh, Mohawk and McMaster both have those sorts of programs, so you're exposed to this stuff. It's not like okay, I'll get my degree and then I'm going to go see what's going on in the world. Uh, the the world is coming to you at the university campus or the college campus, and they're responding to it. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, it's funny that you said it. it starts even earlier. Um, we've got this program in Hamilton where we've got, uh, it's called Hamilton Code Clubs. It's run by IEC Hamilton, a nonprofit in town. And we're teaching kids how to code. Uh, one of the cool things they do, though, is we have a, a part of that program where the kids make a game but then they actually test it with like grade three students. So it'll be like grade eight students that design a video game. They build it themselves. It's kind of what they want to make. But then they test it with grade three students. And the grade three students will kind of like tear it apart. They'll say, wow, it wasn't fun. I couldn't catch the ghost. It was too hard. Like the controls didn't make sense to me, right? And they're getting feedback on that and they're figuring out how to make that game in a different way that's more appealing to their like quote unquote customer. Um, so that kind of thinking, that entrepreneurial thinking that they're getting at the universities is starting to even filter down even uh, to lower grades and even like earlier in the pipeline, which is great to see because if we can get get them with that mindset before they even go into university, that it's a possibility. That would be huge. We're, yeah. kind of, we're playing play catch up really because other parts of the world chat are doing this. And and to Kevin's point, I mean they're starting this sort of education back in elementary school. We're we're a little late to the game, but at least we're in the game now. Yeah, definitely we're we're late to the game, but I think we're finally starting to catch up, and it's great to see that um, programs like Kevin's are are really flourishing the. The, the the creativity that you can do this 
you don't have to follow the same traditional path that uh, that we've been accustomed to, or at least in our generation, which is go to university or college, you know, get that get that high degree, and then you're almost guaranteed a job because you have this piece of paper, which in reality isn't isn't the truth, right? You have to work really hard and build up those trend, uh, those skills that that you can have. That yeah, I know you're bursting you know. somebody's bubble right now. They're listening <laughs> to this. Say what? The degree's not worth anything? No, it, it's worth something. Of course, it's but worth. It's, it's not. It's, a, worth it's your not foot a free pass. Yeah, it's not a free pass anymore, and that's sort of the the change that's happened where uh, companies want to see that degree. Obviously, that's that's sort of the first filter. But the second filter is those skills that you've learned outside of the classroom, those uh, those clubs you've been a part of, those extracurriculars, the business that you've maybe started on the side that's uh, showing some potential. They're looking at all those things um, as part of your overall package. Let me do a break. We've got to come back after and continue our discussion. And uh, we're going to be joined, actually, by a good friend of ours, too. Stuart Weldon's going to join us, too. Uh, uh, who's got some perspective on this uh, great great segment today glad you guys are with us here for this segment of hotspot hamilton you're listening to the bill kelly show weekdays from nine to noon on am 900 chml hotspot hamilton uh, talking about business in our city how do we create a climate for businesses to thrive how do we retain businesses how do we bring new businesses in in this new economy uh our in-studio panel great panel here today Josefa saeed of course from the hamilton chamber of commerce uh, Kevin Brown from Software Hamilton, Chad Fullerton from CoMotion Group of Quarterhead. He's one of the co-founders of that. And joining us now is uh, Stuart Walton, a recent Hamiltonian, of course, uh, Hamilton Arts Council, and 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 uh, involved in in this this renaissance that's happening. First of all, thanks for coming in, Stuart. It's good to see you again. Uh, before we get into the discussion or carry on the discussion, I, I got to ask you, Azaf. It's funny when I get these guys in here on panels. Uh, because they're active, they're crazy on the phones through this whole thing. But I mean, that's what happens, I guess, when you're in business. I mean, you're always looking to make sure things are going on. But you've been checking the story that uh, we just carried here on CHML about the Conference Board of Canada, uh, predicting excellent growth for the city over this uh, next 12 months. So 2.9% growth is pretty spectacular and really above the national average. That's a good news story. Yeah, it's a good news story. But, um, you, you know, just from an academic point of view, the wonky point of view, like it's not something. Uh, that's sustainable. So they're also predicting that it will be a slowdown the year after. So the most of the growth is leveraged on uh, the uh, job growth that we're having. We have like a very low unemployment rate. And then, you know, what jo- uh, job force developers will say is like everyone that wants to work right now in Hamilton is, is essentially working. Uh, so th- in order to service that, we we're having significant growth in retail and, and restaurants. And uh, we're also ha- seeing a lot of growth in construction. Uh, so I think we're almost at a 17-year peak for all of those three things aligning. Um, and what the conference board is saying is that that's cre- going to create an, a, a halo effect for economic growth for the next few years and keep us propped up. But uh, I think in terms of finding a long-term solidifying ground, like it's still manufacturing, it's still technology, still those fundamentals and, and, and uh, you know, infrastructure. So um, I, I think for us, that's optimistic to see that uh, this, this, you know, revitalization of Hamilton is now actually being reflected in cold, hard economic numbers as well. Because uh, for a while, for the last two or three years is more thoughts and feelings and yeah. you know what we're seeing on the ground but now we're you know finally this year I'm seeing it in, in terms of numbers uh, in terms of our economic performance now being leveraged to uh, the, the growth of people and, and the growth of jobs in our community. But it's interesting, you know, when you talk job numbers, Stuart, and, and in the last couple of years we've had this debate, and they'll say, well, they're, you know, jobs have been created. And, and the criticism is always, well, those are service sector jobs, as if that was a demeaning term. 
uh, and I don't know what kind of uh, vision they were conjuring up in their heads. You know, people that uh, that serve fries at McDonald's, and there's nothing wrong with that job, by the way. But I mean, people seem to look down their nose at it. But service sector jobs are basically what you guys are doing too. It's it's providing that service or support services for other people in business right now. Sure. Uh, it's a laudable goal, and it's actually a part of a growing part, I guess, of the economy. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think since we moved here a year ago, one of the things uh, that we've been working on, my wife opening a, a cafe in an art gallery and hiring so-called uh, service workers, which is great. And, it, you know, um, you know, in, in the few months we've been open, we're hiring some people and doing our little bit towards the economy. The only thing I, I would say, coming from the tech world, where, you know, having hired a lot of uh, people all over the world um, and acquiring, uh, you know, how do you find top talent? I think one of the, uh, the challenges I see right now for Hamilton is these are great numbers and it, it kind of looks good on the surface but I think one of the challenges is how do you start to to also start to uh, have an economy that's generating knowledge-based jobs so it, it's a more diverse mix of jobs uh, with a mix of uh, in terms of wages and things like that so you're getting a more diverse economy that's uh, bringing in different people um, that help create a more sustainable long-term economy uh, versus say some of these kind of service jobs which as you say are great but I think you need a, a mix if that makes sense. How do you go down that road? I mean, I, I, I can see little bits of that happening, Chad, when uh, places like Freienhofer, they're building their, their new offices for them right across the road from us here. I pass it every morning coming into the radio station. And and obviously those are jobs from Germany and, and that expertise from all over the world that's coming here. And we've seen little incidences of this, but how do you get that, that movement that Stuart's talking about? Yeah, it's it's you got to have people in all different skill sets, right? You got to have people who have been experienced in doing this for a while, and then they're bringing on new students who were just fresh out of college, fresh out of university, and sort of as we were talking about earlier, that mentorship is really important, right? So. You know, there that, that that creates that salary gap where you have people who have been in business for ten years, twenty years. They're CEO, they're making good money, and they're bringing in um, either interns or students who are just starting out and giving them those entry level jobs because that's sort of the hard thing is having that flat economy where there's no entry level jobs. You have to have experience, and you get in that catch twenty two, right? And I think the the challenge that we see from a chamber perspective is like our businesses are not scaling in Hamilton. Uh, and, and that's a trend across the province, but um, y- you know it's it's a more complicated you know issue. Like some people, some sometimes it's uh, venture capital and lack of investment. But other times, I think our tax system also like we were having the whole kerfuffle federally about taxes, and the uh, Trudeau government lowered the small business tax rate uh, to uh, you know nine point five percent. That's good for for some businesses, but it also creates an incentive. Uh, what economists would say for businesses to scale beyond a certain level when their tax rate has to go up, and uh, I think our entire system is full of these incentives where it's good to be at a level where you're anywhere from you know three employees to uh, 15 20 employees but I, I think where we really start uh, seeing our Hamilton company struggle is, is when they go past 50 and they're trying to get to 200 and, and, and that's really when you start creating stable knowledge jobs and you start creating that o- almost would say a snowball effect where um, you are now creating the mid-level jobs that are the most critical jobs uh, and, and those mid-level jobs are paying well enough for uh, other companies locally to benefit as well because what are firms that are in the 20 person range would say in the tech community is that they can't afford to hire uh, an engineer when uh, Google or Amazon or you know Shopify down the street is paying them uh, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars more. So, so I think I think that's the challenge we run to in our economies. Like we have a, a tech sector that's growing and it's optimistic, but it's not. It doesn't have many what you would say you know rising stars that are lifting all waters with with them. 
Well, that's what you want. You want you want the next Bill Gates to be here, right? You want somebody who's who's going to be that leader and say, "Yeah, this is this is where Hamilton's going, and and I'm going to be at the front of the parade." Yeah, I you know I I think I think one of the challenges is is changing the perception that that you know for knowledge based industry, Hamilton is a center along with the Waterloo and a Toronto, and it can play and be a part of you know, that triangle, so to speak, which is slowly, that momentum is slowly building. But I think to attract knowledge-based companies, whether it's to set up sub-offices or to come to Hamilton directly, it, it's it's many things, right? It's never just one thing. And I think it's a combination of um, the city itself. Is it is it the place where knowledge workers want to be? And I, I fundamentally believe it is. Yeah. And well, I think- You're living proof of that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys, um, all of you are for the- Absolutely. For, for making that choice. But it's other things too. It's how do you, you know, what are the policies, not to get too derailed, but what are the policies that government puts in place to help create those, those fundamental, that framework, right? Whether it's improved access to transit, to access to the schools, um, you know, uh, talent pool, making sure that they're accessible and available to, you know, that you have the people you need to hire. So that there's many things that have to be there. And I think those, those fundamentals are starting to be built now. And, and I think over the coming years, you will start to see that the fruits of that, for sure. I, I, but you're right. I mean, it has to be every element of this. And, and uh, I, I know I've gone off on the tangent, and I think justifiably so, that the federal and provincial governments have a role to play here, too. Uh, and you just touched briefly about, you know, the federal uh, t- proposals for tax increases and tax reductions and this revision that they're doing right now. I, I, I think, Kevin, they have to be a lot more direct about being business-friendly. And I know that sounds like a, a, a huge umbrella phrase because there's so many different aspects to this. But for startups, and I'm realizing that oftentimes these are family businesses and investments, uh, and, and, you know, for them to turn around and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to nail the people that aren't paying their fair share, I, I think is totally unfair to, to small businesses. Uh, they should be offering packages, I think, that's actually going to help these businesses grow and maybe get beyond that echelon that Hazefa was just talking about to get to past 40 or 50 employees and, and help these businesses grow. And I'm not so sure that they're there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of small businesses complaining about the uh, the tax change there. Um, that said, the big the one that I hear the most about is what we were talking about before the the talent uh, issue, just the talent yeah. pool. It's it's two things. It's like the the senior and the specialized talent roles. Like once these companies reach a certain size, it's they need more specialized people. It's kind of like they don't need the general contractor anymore. They need the master carpenter. They need the expert plumber. And if they can't find those specialized people, they can't grow beyond, and they can't start competing with like the major companies that can afford those salaries yeah. and that. And they can't create world class products that. That kind of talent can make right. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting is like if we could, there is big pools of that talent sitting in Toronto Waterloo. It's just they don't tend to think of looking at Hamilton when they're thinking about, um, you know, where am I going to live and where am I going to work. So it actually came up at that Ham- Hamilton consulate event actually in the in the spring that the. Ekdev ran. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it was a thing where, like, we were talking to some of the Toronto people there, and they're just like, we didn't know Hamilton had stuff. Like, so there's still that perception, unfortunately, out there that we that you know Hamilton. It's it's the housing perception's gotten better. They're starting to realize that we have housing that they can afford, but um, the job opportunities that is not quite as uh, widely known, I'd say, out there as it should be. Um, there are some things that are kind of changing that. Like, there's this like uh, Hamont innovation conference series where we're specifically inviting speakers from it's a Saturday conference that happens uh, about you know five six times a year and we're specifically inviting speakers from Toronto Waterloo so that way they come here and when they come here we get a lot of people coming from Toronto Waterloo and they start looking at what's happening in Hamilton they start seeing what's happening here so a lot of what we need to do to fix that is actually just reaching out to the regions that are around us that are further along and drawing some of that senior talent like the people that were at Research Emotion they got 10 years experience at making world-class products but 
now they're a startup in Waterloo and they'd be more inclined to come here. So reaching out to those communities, pulling in that talent here, that would be a big um, you know, way to help alleviate that. I, I think we get defensive about that to a certain extent, uh, Stuart. We think, well, they're, th- they're just ignoring us. But you've got to beat the drum loudly to make the, them pay attention. But they're just bus- they're busy doing their own thing in their own communities. And, and they're just not aware. I think that's the biggest obstacle we have, we've got to overcome here. Sure. And, and my personal opinion is it, rather than look at those cities as competition, it's how do we work together? And I think part of the challenge right now for Hamilton ah. is there's, there's a lot of noise, right? So, you know, yes, Hamilton will have a technology or software sector just by the nature of where the world's going. But I, I, I think, you know, I, I would argue that figuring out what Hamilton's message is and being more to the point. So, for instance, you know, if you look at Waterloo and Toronto, where they're really excelling and where they're making great strides, you know, Toronto with fins, uh, FinTech or and Waterloo with hardware, for example, you know, for, for Hamilton, life sciences, advanced manufacturing and helping, fi- you know, how can we get people here that are looking to disrupt those industries and find new ways to improve you know, things going on at the port or the manufacturing sector or all the great research coming out of Mac? And how do we contribute to this this bigger region focused on those areas from a technology perspective. But, but, but here mm-hmm. we go again. We, I think we're getting smarter about that in some circumstances. But then you know, something like the Amazon thing comes along. And, of course, you know, hey, who wants us to have you? And, and we're competing against each other again. I mean, there's a Toronto bid, and Burlington's kind of tied into that to the GTA bid. And we've had some discussions, Chad, with KW. But, you know, Niagara's looking at this. And I figure we're, we're canceling each other out here instead yeah. of simply saying, hey, oh, Amazon, southern Ontario. You know, if you're going to bring 50,000 jobs here, that you know what, there's room for all of us to grow here. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that companies are doing um, is sort of a backdoor way of getting into Hamilton is that, you know, yes, we do want their headquarters here. We want the Amazon headquarters in Hamilton. We have, you know, IBM comes and sets up a big headquarters. But that's not always the answer, right? The other solution that companies are doing doing is that they might have a headquarters in Toronto or Waterloo, but then they're having satellite offices in Hamilton. Yeah. And the, and that's worked great in the co-working space. We've had a lot of companies that have come here. Maybe they have five employees that work and live in Hamilton, and they don't want to commute to Toronto every day because that drains their employees. And they have to also pay higher, higher salaries if they're you know working out of Toronto. So they can pay them less. They live in Hamilton. They're happier. They have a great, uh, they can grow, build their family here. But then they work in a co-working space or a satellite office that's here, and they don't have to pay as much uh, rent because rent's cheaper here for offices, and they're able to still have those and retain those employees. And, and the chamber's already doing that. I mean, and you talked about the Bay Area Economic Summit. That's a classic example of, of looking at our neighboring community and saying, oh, they're not our competitor. They're our partner in a lot of the stuff that's going on here. Yeah, and, and I think that, that was the theory behind why, uh, you know, we had a realization where we've been doing Hamilton Summit for seven years and we're at a point where it's becoming redundant. So we, we did that. And actually next year it's public, so I can say it. Uh, we're, we're doing a summit. Um, we're looking at a few spots, probably the convention center. Uh, it's going to be a massive one uh, with KW and Toronto. Uh, so we have, like, um, an unofficial confirmation from both of those chambers saying that they're interested. And it all came out of the, the bid that we're working on in terms of the supercluster where we're merging the manufacturing manufacturing and, and tech firms together and, and we have a number of Hamilton manufacturers interested in that field and, and they've signed up to be partners in that bid. So regardless of what happens with the bid, I think what, what came out of that whole discussion we've been having for the last uh, four or five months is, um, you know, all these three communities, like even even if we're not going to be p- 
out of the corridor formally. Um, and even if it's not going to be rebranded as a triangle, uh, it still makes sense for us to continue collaborating because we have uh, regional strengths that the other doesn't have. I mean, to your point, Stuart, I mean, this expertise is all around us. And you're right. I mean, by osmosis, there's going to be a tech sector here uh, simply because that's the way of the world in the 21st century. But to be a leader in this, I mean, you, you've got to look at KW in Toronto and say, look, at guys, how can we work together on this stuff? And mm -hmm. uh, the stuff the Chamber's doing here really seems to be breaking down some of those barriers. Sure. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, I, again, it's, it's looking at those strengths, and it's particularly in the um, education and institutions, if you look at where they're excelling, so life sciences being one, right, um, that, that's a logical place to start in terms of Hamilton's part, right? So if you've got institutions doing a lot of research, generating lots of potential commercial output from that, it, how do you leverage that and commercialize a lot of this research, which, uh, to my knowledge, hasn't been uh, done at any kind of scale uh, to date? And I think that's where Hamilton can play by focusing on where Mac and Mohawk are strong, for instance, just like Waterloo is great at computer uh, engineering, as an example, right? And and to play that part, I think to me that's a, a logical step that cuts through that noise, as yeah. I said earlier. And, and, and I think just part. picking yeah. on life science sector, I think what Hamilton companies might be able to learn from uh, KW and Toronto Health uh, mm -hmm. companies, I think they're they're more consumer based, so the, so their turnaround time to get to the market for some of the rising stars in in the health tech has been a lot faster. Whereas I think a lot of our companies like they're they're more traditional in their research. So, so I know a few of them that have been in incubation for almost seven or eight years now, and it, 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 you know, it, once they get their break and once they go public, like I, I think they do have the potential of being making significant progress. But um, I, I think right now the, the mentality has always been that we're going to do it right because we're uh, research focused, and then there's certain ethics involved. So, th so there there is learnings to be made where you know you might be working on something for a decade, but if if someone uh, a few cities down makes something similar, but but they, they're ready to go to the market because they have a more innovative way of looking at how to serve the consumer in, in the healthcare sector, um, then, then who's really the winner, right? But to, to Stuart's point about exposing people to this earlier and getting a workforce and people trained in this, I mean, the stuff you're doing, for instance, with, with kids in grade three right now, exposing them to coding at a very early age, that's going to create that demand on the education system to, to, to increase that, and it's going to give us that, that pool, that workforce that you guys are looking for. Yeah, exactly. And it's... To me, it's important too that the uh, you know people in Hamilton feel included in these changes because you know if your parents were working in the traditional jobs and now the economy has shifted towards these new occupations, if you know you're not getting mentorship or access to it through school, how are you going to get access to these kind of new things that we're that we need to know, like computer programming, et cetera. Oh, you don't so, want to have to, yeah, you don't want to say, hey, yeah, my kid had to go to Waterloo because they don't really have the courses they want to take here in, at Ham in Hamilton. Yeah. That's changing now, thankfully, but, mm -hmm. it, but it's only going to change if the, if the pressure and, and the desire is there for those programs to be here. Yes, definitely. That seems to be, the I guess, the gap that you were talking about, Stuart, is we've got the innovation factor, you've got commotion, we've got the, the chamber, we've got all these great organizations, uh, but we've got to get something at the bottom end. You know, you've got to get you've got to get people interested in this and and the potential for those workforces. Uh, maybe maybe the next Bill Gates is going to elementary school across the road here. We don't know that until sure. you know they, they're exposed to these programs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think education, uh, you know, um, on top of kind of the standard curriculum and getting them exposed, whether it's through meeting 
you know, business leaders and young people that are doing this in the community already to inspire young people that they can do it locally. And then also, you know, I find, you know, even myself, every day I learn new things that are, are available in this city that I, you know, for instance, you know, at the, the library, the, they have this amazing makerspace where people can go and try things and do 3D printing and print stuff and use computers and, and actually on their own kind of do some trial and error. And it's, it's, a, it's a, a great, you know, space that we, there should be more of within the community. Libraries mm -hmm. are one of the great untapped resources in every community. And it's because it's not just books anymore. Now, and I'm sp you're pre preaching to the converted. Our daughter graduated with her master's in library science and info technology. I get all that. But anybody that wants to get that sort of stuff, go to your local library in whatever town, whether it's Hamilton, KW, or anyplace else, uh, because it's it's a different place. It's not it's not your mom and dad's library anymore. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, we could do this for another three hours. It's great having you guys here. This is this is the, the kind of buzz. No wonder you love what you guys do. Just to sit around with like-minded folks like you and just uh, bouncing ideas back and forth. is It's been invigorating and, it's been, and very, very educational for all of us. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Peace. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.